Hello, everyone, and welcome to Those Who Inspire. Is this a theater podcast? Is this a motivational podcast? Is this an excuse for me to talk to performers I've always wanted to talk to? Who's to say? My name is Emily Rose, and contrary to what you may believe, no, my guest and I are not related, but she has been living my dream since 2018 in the national tour of Finding Neverland, and until it had to go on hold due to the COVID-19 outbreak, the national tour of Cats. She's an amazing dancer, a fabulous performer, and I am so excited to speak with her today. So, without further ado, please join me in welcoming Miss Melody Rose. much for having me Emily. Thanks so much for coming on. This is so cool. So I do have to say before we start, I had the honor of meeting Melody um, through friend of a friend, uh, Connor McGiffin. He was Froman and Hook on the Finding Neverland tour. And uh, when they came and stopped uh, near my city, uh, he kind of heard through the grapevine that I was a huge fan of Melody and he kind of set it up so that we could meet each other, which was super cool. So I'm so excited to get to interview you today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. All of it. Was that, was that in Scranton? Is that where we it met? Was. That's what I thought. I couldn't remember Scranton, the city, baby. but... Electric City. Electric City, the best. So, I mean, just starting off the top, you know, how did you kind of find your way into this business. I know dancer first. So how did that dancer first kind of find your way? Well, okay. So my sister started dancing before me. My sister's four years older than me. Um, she doesn't dance anymore. Um, but I did follow in her footsteps. Um, I started dancing when I was three years old at the Edna Lee dance studio in Glen Burnie, Maryland. And I started taking one class a week when I was three and suddenly it became three classes a week. And then it became seven, and then I started really getting into it, and I joined my studio's competition team and worked really closely with Ashley Canterna Hardy and trained basically in a um, traditional Vaganova ballet style. So I was super into ballet, um, but also had like the competition jazz at the end of the week. So it felt like I was being exposed to a bunch of different styles, and I loved every single one, but was really intrigued by musical theater. Um, before even joining the competition team, my mom, my parents were never into performing, like weren't into performing arts, didn't act or dance or anything, but they enjoyed um, musicals. So my mom played the Natalie Wood version of Gypsy a lot when I was a kid. And I think that was oh, yes. pretty much, <laughs> it's so good. It's the best one, in my opinion. Um, and it was definitely a key point in my, me discovering my love for musicals. Um, but I remember, I, I can't remember a time where I didn't want to be a Broadway dancer, which is weird. Like in our fifth grade graduation at, at our public school, we had to sing what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I literally sung that I wanted to be a Broadway dancer in fifth grade. So I can't really remember a time before <laughs> I wanted to do this. Um, 
but yeah, and then after, I mean, I knew I was serious about it as soon as I was in high school, I guess, was when I really knew that I wanted to pursue it professionally. Uh, I couldn't think about anything else besides that, even in school, like, I thought about dance the whole day, and I was like, what am I doing here in public school? I wish I was at an art school, um, but yeah, and then I auditioned for colleges. I knew I wanted to be in New York. I auditioned for a couple, um, two out of state, but other than that, I definitely knew I wanted to be in New York, and somehow was accepted into Juilliard and then graduated after four years of that with a BFA. And then um, at my senior showcase um, is where my agent found me and gave me her card. And then a week later, I called them, um, Sophia with CESD Talent Agency in New York. And then I started getting sent on auditions, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Bananas. <laughs> and that's yeah, kind of how it yeah, fell into place. Super fancy. She went to Juilliard. Oh, She's the real deal. Oh, gosh. Don't know how that happened, but very lucky to have gone. For sure. And it's crazy because I, I completely relate to like the being in high school and that's all you're thinking about. All oh, day. yeah. Like, like all day long. I remember I, I started interning at a regional theater my mm-hmm. senior year of high school that I had like worked with before, like as a kid and stuff but uh-huh. it was just half day of school and then half day of work and all day during school I was just like yeah don't care we gotta <laughs> like what am I doing here this feels wrong <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so uh finding Neverland first you know how did you how'd you kind of find that because I mean you were playing an iconic character oh <laughs> your own version of an iconic character because you know it's yeah how did that how did that happen how did I find Neverland okay let's see so I remember I got an email from my agent and my goal of course you have to work your way up you have to build your resume before you do anything and I basically had nothing on my resume except for school experience for doing choreography in school at Juilliard I never did any summer stock or theater which is what I it was at Juilliard (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just gotta keep reiterating she's fancy (laughs) When you do when you audition for musicals, I highly recommend that you go. You start, I would say, in college in in the summer if you can to build your resume because I had absolutely no experience, and I think that's why it took me a li- a little longer than a year to get casted in a musical. But I don't know. It's always right place, right time, you know. But I got an email from my agent saying that there was going to be an audition for Finding Neverland, and. Uh, at first I thought, okay, is this something I would be interested in? I never saw Finding Neverland and, when it was on Broadway, and I hadn't listened to the soundtrack. Um, so I was being exposed to this musical for the first time. I knew of the storyline, and I saw like little bits and pieces of it, like at the Macy's Parade and um, on YouTube and everything. But yeah, I went in, and we started off with the prologue, was the first audition, the Peter Pan prologue, where, yeah. So we started off with that, and then we learned... <laughs> Ever. <laughs> and then we learned um, a bit from We Own the Night. And then we learned a little bit from London. And it was eight call- eight callbacks. It was over a long period of time. So there was tons of tons of callbacks. Um, and since it was a non-equity show, it was open to a lot of people rather than just equity performers and, and such. So, yeah, we went in eight rounds of callbacks. And then there was one day of filming and we all did every combination and the boys did circus and all that jazz and then we um I remember them saying hey Melody can you stay in and do the Peter Pan solo for us and I was like oh no (laughs) oh no (laughs) and then they made me do it like eight times in a row and they were like okay less um they were like more um kid-like and I was trying to tap into my inner child and then I was just 
exhausted by the end of it. And they were like, okay, yeah, you got it. You got it. Thank you so much. And then I left. And then we, they brought everyone back in. And then we, um, a couple others went in to do the Peter Pan solo. And then we came back in. And then a week later, I was at work. I was at the front desk of Soul Cycle, NoHo, my favorite side job, <laughs> and got the call at the desk. And they said, you got the Peter Pan track. And I was like, all right. Okay, cool. I guess this is my first gig. So, yeah. And like um it's actually really funny because at the same time I was I had auditioned for the national tour of cats that I would join later and I got the call that that wasn't happening at the time which broke my heart but it's it had to happen this way in order for me to get there so I'm so glad that I had finding neverland first before yeah, absolutely like that lined up so perfectly yeah too, that you then Ugh. right after and I mean, cats. So you said you know you didn't really know Finding Neverland beforehand, right? No, but, um, I think that made it that cats. much more special, too. Oh, absolutely. Because I remember discovering it for the first time too, and being like, "What? Oh my is gosh, this amazing!" Like when I was in rehearsals, oh yeah, same. When I was in rehearsals, and <laughs> it was so funny. I had to get up and leave the room multiple times because I was bawling like this. This because I had no idea what was about to happen, and like that, you know what happens. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I was like <laughs> sobbing, like big heaving, and I was like, "I'm so sorry, Camden, Camden, our associate choreographer." I was like, "I need to leave the room." I had to like compose myself, and like everyone was laughing, but it's deep stuff in there. You think it's nice and fun and playful and all that, but Ooh, it is man. deep. Woo. That reprise just. <laughs> You can imagine me and my sister there in Scranton <laughs> sobbing. Uh, oh my god, but it's so beautiful. It's it it's so cool. the best. I'm so happy I got to do that show. But then yeah, so like so cats then being your second one. I mean, I feel like you're a dancer, you know cats. You oh, grow up with it. Let You've me tell you. Let me tell you. I oh. was obsessed. And a lot of people, they don't think that Cats has a plot line that you can follow, but there is one, and I understood it at a very young age. I don't know how, but I remember the first time that I watched that all the way through, because I started off watching bits and pieces, thanks to my sister. My sister had the DVD, the 98 film, the best one. And um, I realized, I like put two and two together, that old dude was Rum Tum Tugger and Monk's dad. I don't know how I figured that out, but that is actually true. They're half-brothers. Um, and I took away that, like, when McCavity, like, took old dude and kidnapped him and Mr. Mistopheles brought him back, that he was bringing back Rum Tum Tugger's dad, and then they have that moment together, and I just was crying, age 12, age 10. I can't remember <laughs> when I watched it for the first time, but I became obsessed with Mr. Mistopheles since then, and then I was like... I need to be in this show one day. I knew all the moves. I had probably watched it 650 times. And yeah, I just remember I was a senior at Juilliard when the Broadway cast had their first audition post-opening. So every six months, Broadway shows have to have an audition um, just to like open their roster for future clients. And... Yeah, I went with I went on the non-equity list with my friends from school and my friend Haley. Um and we auditioned, we got all the way to the end. Um my friend Haley was ended up booking for Rumple Teaser <laughs> and yes. that was her her literally no no um no agent, no <laughs> no equity card and she just went right in. I mean, she's a talent. Um 
and I, I was like pulled for Vic and I was like, oh my gosh, this was my very first audition outside of school. I didn't have an agent at the time. And I was like, wow, I got pretty far. Like I have hope for myself to like do better next time and do better next time. And I ended up having to audition for the show six times and that's okay. <laughs> and I would not take no for an answer. I was like, I need to be in this unitard. I don't care. But it was really funny because it came at such a random time in my life where I kind of felt stuck um, it, like career wise. And I got an email from my agent saying there's actually an opening for the Tantamile track. Can you send and Tantamile covers syllabub. So we need you to to email us two videos of you singing for syllabub. And I was like, oh, OK. And singing is like I, I used to be not so confident in my singing and I still get nervous about singing. I'm way more comfortable expressing myself physically. <laughs> That's just how it's been since I was a kid. But yeah, I emailed two videos of myself singing. I think it was, uh, it's like this excerpt that she sings right before Grizz sings Memory. Um, and I had to sing A Dressing of Cats, but the soprano line, which is crazy high. <laughs> um, but, it, but, but yeah, I mean, I like singing high, but it was it's really high. <laughs> it's really up there. And yeah, I... Got dressed one day, went over to Ripley. My good friend Spencer took videos of me, and I emailed them in. <laughs> and um, I think that was at the beginning of October last year. And then last year on Halloween, I got the call that I got the job. And they were like, okay, we're actually going to fly you in on Monday. And I was like, wait a minute. I can't pack up my life in three days. Oh <laughs> I was like, I can't pack up my life in three days. And they were like, okay, we'll wait till like second week of November. And then, yeah, I flew out, and my whole life turned upside, upside down. So... Yeah, that's how I got into cats. <laughs> but I like knew it. I knew that I knew everything before going in. Like I had seen the '98 film. I saw the revival that Andy Blankenbuehler revamped because I saw my friend Haley on opening night, and then I won tickets, um, lottery tickets with my friend from school, and we went to see two of our classmates, not our classmates, two classes above us at school. Um, we were seniors, and they were juniors when we were freshmen. Um, Corey Snide and Emily Tate, and both of them were on for Misto and Victoria, so we got to see our two friends in the show, which was awesome. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I knew, always, yeah, I knew that show back to front. Always a show. <laughs> always a show. But like you, <laughs> always like everyone has that one show that it feels like you know I absolutely have to do this show before I die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no. So I am I so like thankful that I got to do that show. I mean, that was my dream show. Anyone who knows me knew that that was my angle, <laughs> to be in Cats the Musical. And somehow it happened. It also, you know, you know, you guys ended up being one of the shows that got affected by the pandemic and you guys had to stop um, your run. And stop I, the I know it's horrible to talk about Oh my run. God. I was wondering, you know, what that was like, because I wasn't in a show like currently when everything shut uh-huh. down. But I was already ready to go into another. Oh one. no! So then it was it was right before, and they were like, you know, because there was that weird time where everyone was like, oh, well, it'll be like two weeks. Going to be two weeks. And yeah. Like, okay, so yeah, it's going to get moved to like, and then you know, we got that email of like, okay, these are all the timelines for this show that this could possibly happen, and this is, and, and then yeah, now it's October. <laughs> I remember. Well, the the thing that broke my heart the most was I my dream rolling cats as a kid. I mean, everyone wants to be Victoria. Everyone. It, 
if they say they don't, they're lying. Like, <laughs> come on. You rewind that over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, oh my gosh, the woman in the 98 film. I don't know how her leg gets that high. It's unbelievable. But um, yeah, I had understudied Vic and I learned everything and I worked with my good friend, Austin Reynolds, who was a classmate of mine who was on tour with us. And we worked long hours trying to get me ready to go on for Vic. And I was so happy I could do syllabub, which I never thought that I would be able to do. Um, But I was supposed to debut Victoria, I think April 3rd was when I was supposed to go on for the first time for Vic. And I was like, no, I was like, okay, well, at least, at least they're extending it. We got the email. We were in Ottawa, Canada, the most beautiful theater. And I remember they were like, okay, we're actually just going to like, we're going to fly you to the next city and you're just going to stay in the hotel for a week. And then we're going to resume shows because we were being flown to, I think, North Carolina. We were going to be in Charleston um, and some other cities down there. Um, and it was my birthday week, and we were supposed to be in Montreal for my birthday week on St. Patrick's Day, and I was like, oh, well, at least I get my birthday off, this will be fun, like, trying to make the most of everything, always, and they were like, actually, we're gonna send you home for two weeks, and we were like, okay, and this is when we start to get, we start to get a little scared, and I, I, of course, everyone's, like, going through it, and I could not stop crying for a good two weeks like I, people and they saw because I'm a pretty happy person and like I was not in great shape at all I was like my whole life is ruined but um yeah and then they were like okay we're extending the show we're gonna restart in June and we're gonna end in I think September so I was like great good to know good to know I can stay in shape I can like chill out for a little bit let my body rest because boy my body hurt and then we got I think it was April 29th I get an we get an email where they were like, actually, this is canceled. <laughs> we were like, no. So it was tough because we didn't have a closing show. We didn't have a closing party. We didn't get really to have our goodbyes to the crew and the cast. And that was definitely difficult. But I still stay in touch with everyone, whether it's every now and again or my friend, me and my friend PJ, who played Mistopheles, we talk every single day, all day, <laughs> all the time. So, I mean, yeah, it's sad that it ended, but I'm glad that I got to be a part of it for just a few months, even. it's It sucks that that's how it had to end, but I don't know. Yeah. I wish it could just keep getting extended and extended until, yeah. but they're actually opening a non-equity tour of Cats that they're casting currently. I don't know when they're going to start rehearsals for it, of course. No one knows what the future of the performing There's arts is right now. I was flying around. And I was like, oh, what? But when? Right. I'd love to. It's like, I want to see it. This- <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see it. Love to go audition. But also, do I want to drive into New York City? No. I'm sure. Know. I think it's all self-tapes right now, though. Uh, yeah. yeah, there was a couple I saw that were on there, and I was like, "I don't is this is this allowed? Are, we, are you allowed to, to post those people in a room right now?" But okay, yeah, I don't know the rules there, especially for dance shows because I feel like, you know, you're it's totally fine maybe like if you're in a room and you're singing with a mask because you know you can project and you can right, but like if you're in a dance show and you're cattle calling and. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, even teaching teaching with a mask is difficult. And like trying to like not scream at students, but like raise your voice so they can hear you over the music. It's like it's like you're breathing in like condensation. You're like, okay, it's like another level another level of stamina that you have to have. It's intense. And that's a perfect segue, actually, because I did want to ask you, you know, because you're you're a teacher, and I haven't really taught a lot, but like have choreographed and stuff. So I'd love to know kind of how you got into being a teacher and kind of, you know, what you enjoy about that. 
Oh, well. I, into being a teacher, the first time I seriously taught a class for like a year was at my dance studio my senior year. I taught a little combination class where I taught ballet, tap, and jazz and taught them a little recital dance. Um, But I just kind of followed in the footsteps of my dance teacher and always wanted, I, I looked up to her so much and... I just remember being that kid in class that would like be wide-eyed when somebody would tell them information about how to become a professional artist, even at, like at nine years old, that when you have absolutely no idea about anything in the industry, like you're there with like your the fire in your belly and like the, the light in your eyes and you're so excited to learn. And then just seeing that from the other side is so, I don't know, it's just so magical just to like be able to give that information to the kids in a way that you remember receiving when you were younger. Yeah, so right now, um, I'm I'm obviously way more available than I am when I'm on the road. So I've had the opportunity to teach at a bunch of different dance studios via Zoom. Um, my There's a convention called Dance Masters of America where my chapter, the Mid-Atlantic chapter, it's uh, Maryland, um, Virginia, I think a little bit of Delaware, but um, I've got I got to teach a musical theater workshop where I taught some uh, kids age, ages I think seven to eighteen um, little excerpts from Finding Neverland and Cats and just seeing like their faces light up um, at their homes when they're probably so tired of being stuck inside and dancing inside their little home dance studios or their little closet sized studio apartments <laughs> like they're it, it's good it's good to see that little bits and pieces of musicals can still make people light up and inspired to pursue the arts, even though there really isn't a future right now for the arts. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I got into teaching. I mean, I, I've, I've always been interested in teaching people about dance. I'm I, like in my fifth grade musical, I don't even know what it was about. It was something that I think the teacher wrote for us, but I remember being like, I want to choreograph the musical. I had no idea how to choreograph. I was in fifth grade, but I choreographed a, a number to sing, sing, sing. I don't know. That's how I started. That was that was the very first one. Kind of going back a little bit. Um, you know, when we're talking about, you know, clearly coming from the dance background, being kind of dancer first, dancer who sings. Um, uh, what do you think are kind of unique challenges that come with being a dancer first? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, I know I definitely was actor singer who moves well uh-huh. <laughs> so it um, strong mover you know I I'm, I'm interested to see what that's like from the other side because you know you can on my end I can be in dance class all the time and and can still be dancing in musicals and stuff but I know that there's no way on this planet that I'm gonna get my leg as high in the air as you do oh. so like you know what do you think it's like from the other side well you definitely can get your leg as high as me don't limit yourself you can do it but um, there is um I feel like there's like challenges and advantages on both sides for like I said before I'm way more comfortable in in expressing myself physically than through singing but for me when I go into an audition I think my advantage is that usually for dance ensemble which is what I want to be a part of I don't I don't want to do lead roles I mean maybe later <laughs> but right now I really want to be ensemble ensemble that just speaks to me more but it's always dance first it's always dance calls first then the singing so like I go in and I'm fully confident in myself and I'm I'm like I'm really good at picking up choreographies extremely fast I have a really good memory so that's when I feel the most confident and like the strong point but then when we make it past the dance calls and then we have to go in to sing our 16 32 bar cut I instantly get paralyzed and like 
uh, it, it's so, like, my anxiety, I'm an anxious person, but, like, when I go into singing, it's, like, I'm about to have a panic attack. I don't know why I can hold a tune. It's not that I'm a bad singer. It's just that something about using my voice to, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's a terrifying experience. So if I was a singer at first, I'd feel a lot better in those situations. I wish I could delete that anxiety. And I'm sure, I don't know if movement calls are, are scary for you guys, but for, for me, it's just like, I, I feel like breezing through the dance. And then as soon as it comes to singing, I'm like, oh no, it's, it's over for me. But that's just my mindset, like going into panic mode before. I mean, though, like I, I totally feel that though, because I feel like when you're singing and this is something that I don't think people who have never been on stage, like there's no way for them to possibly understand this, uh-huh. but it is so much scarier to stand there in a room where they're sitting behind a table versus when you're on stage and there's lights in your eyes and you can maybe see the first two rows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Darkness. You don't, like, it doesn't matter then because no one, no one sees you. You're not yourself. You're playing a character. Here, though, like, it's on. It's it's kind of like a scene out of a nightmare, if you will. Like, walking in, you put the binder down and you have to give them the, the tempo and then sometimes the pianist doesn't do the correct tempo, but then it's like, you have to make sure that it's, like, it's on you. Like, that's your fault. Like, so and like you don't start over like you just go for it and if you crack you crack and then they say thank you and you get out of there as fast as you can and like when you go in there somehow I have the worst sinuses of all time and I always I'm always that person who like has a cold before they go in to sing and like you're not gonna tell them you have a cold like you, you're gonna have a cold when you're performing in the show so like you can't have an excuse for that yeah. you just go and um yeah I mean having like a full table of people stare back at you while while simultaneously writing down notes you're like what are they writing as you're singing and trying to act through your eyes and not look like you're nervous or shaking my hands shake so bad too but then when you're on stage and you're dancing it's everyone singing at once and like you're singing in a group and that's so much more comfortable than (laughs) when you're singing alone by yourself in the small room with those acoustics that are kind of awful and um either awful or they're like right in your face oh yeah (laughs) and (laughs) I didn't know anything about that when I started and like I would just like go in like put my book down and sing uh someday from the from the wedding singer I was like that always makes me feel good (laughs) like my voice teacher at school said that I sounded all right singing it so I was like you know what I'm gonna sing this one (laughs) but oh my gosh but yeah that is that's the worst part for me as a dancer (laughs) but I'm getting more and more comfortable but yeah, it's a, t- a totally different story when you're on stage with 20 other people and you're in a dance show, so your music is, your mics are kind of turned a little further down and the principals who aren't dancing as hard or mics are turned up. Like, it's not as much pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> so being on tour, something obviously that like, it's kind of the dream. Like, I remember being really, really young and I don't remember what it would have been that I would have seen. I went somewhere and I was seeing the show and I wasn't quite old enough to understand uh-huh. what was going on, but I remember them being like, oh no, yeah, so like this this was on Broadway and now these are different people who are doing it. And I was like, wait a minute. Not only could I be doing a, a Broadway production, quote unquote, but I could be going to all these different places. Like, yeah. it, it was bananas to me. So I'd love to know kind of what your experience was even just like kind of pro and con wise and like ideas you came in with about being on tour that maybe were true were not true you know what that was kind of like to adjust 
So touring is basically, you're basically getting paid to do what you love and being paid to travel around the country, essentially. So that's like pro number one check. And obviously the non-equity tour of Finding Neverland was way less cushy than the equity tour of Cats. We maybe had a few one-week sit-downs where we were in a place for a week. But other than that, it was like we had split weeks all the time. We had one-nighters, two-nighters, which are exhausting. But I didn't know that at the time. This was my first gig, so I appreciated everything. Um, the long days on the bus were the worst. Getting on, like Waking up at 6 a.m., paying for your room, hopping on the bus, trying to sleep. We didn't get our own bus seat. We shared with a little bus buddy. My bus buddy was the best. But we uh, we had a shared seat. We had like our blankets and we'd be on the bus until like 3 or 4 p.m., which is when we would get to our next hotel. We'd have like an hour lunch stop. like, And sometimes the lunch stops would be kind of crappy. I mean, we'd have to go to like Target and like grocery shop for lunch rather than like sitting down and like getting a nice meal or making our own meal in our apartment that we could stay at for two weeks on an equity contract. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think the traveling constantly and like constantly sitting on the bus all day long, getting up and making sure our bodies were in shape enough to do the show at night and like, just like sitting on the bus with sore legs, just sitting on the bus, like with an injury, which I had at one point, like a, like a back problem. It was, it, that was tough. But other than that, like, like I said, you're getting paid to travel the country. I went to cities that I never thought that I would ever visit in my life or think that I would enjoy, like who thinks that they would go to South Dakota and find the cutest little city? And, like, I did. Like, Sioux Falls was one of my favorite stops on the first tour. And where else did we go? Columbus, Ohio, I loved. I had so much fun there. Salt Lake City had the most beautiful theater. Oh, my gosh. I think it's called the Eccles Theater. I could be wrong. But, yeah. And, I mean, the cons are just, like, being away from home, being away from your friends. And it's it's really difficult to maintain relationships and friendships back home when you're constantly on the move and you're constantly delving into your work but I mean for me it doesn't feel like work it's like my entire life (laughs) I don't know that sounds kind of Mm -hmm. hardcore but that's how I've always felt about it like dance has never felt like work to me sure it's exhausting but it's never really felt like work or like we would go out to dinner after the show and like I would talk about the show and people would be like don't talk about work and then I'd be like oh well I don't consider that work. Like, this is fun for me. (laughs) This is all I wanted to do my whole life. Um, And then, yeah, well, like, take and taking care of yourself in, like, like I said, like, with injuries and stuff, it's very hard to maintain those. You can't just, like, foam roll when you wake up, you're on a bus, (laughs) you're stuck, and the most you can do is stand up and walk to the little bathroom in the back of the bus or, like, get out at the gas station stops 20 minutes uh, for the 20-minute stops. But yeah, and I mean, I'm so thankful that I had the non-equity contract before the equity contract because it made me appreciate it so much more being in like, I started out in Toronto for six weeks for my opening in Cats. Like I got to have an Airbnb, like little apartment all by myself, like for six weeks (laughs) instead of like moving around and it like felt like I kind of really got to know the city of Toronto and fell in love with it. And yeah, I think that was the best part of tour, but yeah. The cons is just, and like having New York City FOMO. I was, con- I constantly had FOMO. I was like, oh, I wish I could have auditioned for the the Fosse show on uh, FX or like uh, seeing my friends do a bunch of TV stuff. But I was like, I'm, I'm living my dream. I'm all right. Everyone has their own path. I need to like chill, stay in my own lane. I'll get there if I need to. Um, 
But yeah, I have bad NYC FOMO. I always wanted to be back and I visited as much as I could both tours. <laughs> well, yeah, and I feel like too, like kind of what you said about the travel specifically in a show. I mean, Finding Neverland, obviously not as much as Cats, where Cats is, everyone knows Cats is a dance show. But you, you know, being in a dance track in Finding Neverland and that traveling as a dancer in at, at any distance is like you know, horrible because you're on a bus and your body's all cramped up. Right. And you be able to stretch and roll and like, yeah, it's, I'm sure that's yeah. insane. I mean, even if you're not dancing, like even taking like the mega bus from Baltimore to New York City, like I would get off and be like, oh, my back hurts. Like you're, even if you're not dancing, like traveling like that is not very, it's not great if you're sustaining your dancer <laughs> physique or health, your body health. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is excruciating, but like I said, I'm so thankful I got that because then cats, we flew everywhere because we would fly from city to city or we'd rent a car with our friends and drive in a comfy car rather than hop on a bus. I mean, sometimes we would be on a bus, but we'd have our own seat. It was a little bit more cushy, <laughs> but yeah. So I'd also love to know then um, whether it be, this is like a, a poor segue, but whether it be, um, you know, tour or, you know, stationary Broadway, whatever, I'd love to know kind of what dream roles you have, whether they are dance-related or not dance-related. Ugh. Right now, um, I am so late to the bandwagon, but I am on... I am in a Hamilton kick right now. Like, I am obsessed. So, <laughs> like I said with Finding Neverland, I never listened... I, li- <laughs> I haven't, like... I never listened to the soundtrack before I performed it. And I told myself... I auditioned for Hamilton, I think once or twice, but I didn't know any of the soundtrack. I didn't know what the movement quality was, so I had no idea what I was doing. So I heard my shot for the first time at the audition. So I like let myself listen to my shot, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm going to completely not listen to the soundtrack until I see it live for the first time, so I can appreciate it without any bias from the OBC or whatever. So that's what I did and I hadn't listened to anything except for like two songs in front of my the two songs no I listened to Aaron Burr my shot story of tonight and you'll be back and those are the only songs that I listened to before watching the show And when it came out on Disney plus let me tell you it saved me in quarantine and I have probably watched it 50 times not even lying and I have just I would kill to be any of the ensemble members in that show any of the tracks. I mean, Ariana DeBose is something of another My God. planet. Her movement quality is unmatched, and I would love to dance like her someday. And, like, I mean, obviously the bullet track is something else. Like, I would love to be Woman 3 or Woman 1 really resonates with me, too. Um, the, uh, the paper specialty. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on a Hamilton kick right now, and that is my next dream show. I didn't think that I would love a show as much as I loved Cats. I don't know if it's my love for Andy Blankenbuehler, but I mean, that show is the best. It's the best thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And like everyone had those high expectations for the show, of course, because of the how it blew up. But it really reaches those expectations. And I'm I would consider myself a tough critic. I mean, I I'm obsessed. So that's where I'm at at right now with dream roles. (laughs) Well, the ensemble in that show, just like with how diverse kind of the span of their movement is and you know like you know they're doing hip-hop but then you get um uh hold on I know what it's called what did I miss um 
you know, what did I miss? And you have this more, you know, it's, it's yeah. completely, completely different. And I, I hadn't really, I mean, not that I would ever watch a bootleg ever, but maybe I watched a little bit of a Hamilton bootleg a while ago. Oh, um, then when it came out on Disney Plus and I could see it in HD quality, I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, this is, it, yeah. And Andy Blankenbuehler is. Right. And like the way that they, Andy Blankenbuehler and the their associate, Stephanie Clemens, the way that they approach allowing the ensemble to have such individuality rather than a lot of ensembles. Mm. I mean, you're going to want unison. I mean stuff that's what you're used to but seeing so many people use their individuality and it works with his movement and their movement that they gave to them it's their vocabulary is nuts i mean it's just it's just perfect i can't explain it any other i could fangirl about this show all day long anyone who knows me knows that so yeah i respect it i'm a full child when it comes we that hamilton craze kicked up Full yeah, so I'm... And I knew it kind of would, but I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, so, it's sad because um... my mom knows all the words now. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's, that's when I know it's a problem. <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah no i feel it. okay so now is the point where usually we go into a little bit of a lightning round although it's not really a lightning round because you can have as much time as you want it's just a fun name for things right. and um today we're gonna do a little bit of a this or that kind of finding neverland v cats edition although how can you pick between the two i have one but i won't <laughs> i won't because i love them both anywho so first one ballet or contemporary Changes every day, but I'm going to say contemporary. All right. Well, now this one, I don't want to explain too much because like if you haven't seen the show, I feel like everyone knows, but if you haven't seen the show, then I don't want to ruin it. Glitter Tornado or Journey to the Heavy Side Lair? Uh, I was looking at this earlier and I was like, I don't know how to choose, but I'm going to have to say the Glitter Glitter Tornado. That's pretty special. It is. I knew about it. I had heard about it. Seeing it live is like... Oh my gosh. I don't even know how to describe it. It was like, I knew it was coming. I was like prepping myself as the song started. My sister was like, like leaned over to me in the scene was like, oh, here we go. Here oh we go. yeah. <laughs> and then it's just, it was like, I, I don't even, I don't know. I don't know. You have to look up pictures. You got to do something because it's magnificent. I mean, doing it and seeing it are two different things too, because I mean, doing it is pretty magical, but when you see it, it's, you don't, you don't realize what it looks like. But also doing it, you also like can swallow glitter too. So that's not. <laughs> I was gonna ask about that. Oh how yeah, much, there would be how times. Glitter? Do you think you ingested during that show? <laughs> there would be times where I looked at um, my co-star on the window, and uh, <laughs> we would both s- open our mouths slightly and show that we had glitter on our tongues <laughs> multiple times a week. I mean, it's pretty. And I'm like laughing, running around this glitter tornado, so all this glitter just coming right into my mouth. I, sw- I swallowed one once. It wasn't fun. <laughs> but standing in, you know, because I, I always thought, like, as I watched it too, and then like replayed it in my mind, and she, she planned again. Don't like, don't want to say who it is, but planted at center there, and then I was like, when that kicks up, it's like that has to be right in your face. You're done. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, how did how do you stay so poised during that? There also like, was a time, one time, it happened that the glitter tornado did not work. And everyone was hysterically laughing. That was probably one of my favorite memories. It was in Wichita, Kansas. And let me tell you, I I started, like, skittering on before throwing the glitter, because the glitter is in my hands. And uh, 
I'm like, oh, there's something sounds wrong. Like something doesn't sound right. The music sounds louder there's than no usual. There's no wind on stage. Because there was no wind on stage. And I just threw, <laughs> I throw the glitter in the path that I'm supposed to. And it just hits my co-star's dress. And it just makes a sound literally like a fish flopping on the floor. It was just like, <laughs> and everyone just couldn't keep it together. It was, it was over. And I was, I, I'm supposed to laugh. So thank God. I, but I was like belly laughing. It wasn't my Peter Pan laugh. It was like my laugh. And everyone was just lost. I couldn't make eye contact with anyone. I was like shaking. It was. Well, I mean, and also people who haven't seen it, everyone else is slowly fading into the background all dramatically and the lights are coming down and all the set pieces need to move off stage without it. <laughs> that oh, was the best God. day. I mean, it wasn't great for the crew. I mean, they were probably really upset that it didn't work out because it was working earlier. They always test it. So I don't know what happened, but God, that was funny. That was funny. Flops to the floor. <laughs> so uh, prologue or Neverland reprise? Uh, gotta say prologue. I mean, that's pretty, that's magical. The music, like, oh, it gives me the chills. And it's just like, I don't Best overture on Broadway. Oh, oh it's so good. I remember hearing that and I was like, Yes, this is it. This oh yeah, is it. and then yeah, yeah. Seeing Melanie Moore dance it, <laughs> all the characters just like come out and like it's like a bomb exploded on stage. It's and it happened so fast, and then you're frozen. You're like, what just happened? It's like I blacked out for like a good minute and a half. <laughs> but it was it's yeah, definitely prologue. <laughs> so then flip side of that, prologue or Rum Tum Tugger? Prologue. I love Rum Tum Tugger. So much fun. Always a prologue. But it's prologue. I'm a prologue gal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one's kind of hard because I was I was trying to think of, of quote unquote villain character tracks, but not really. But also it's hard. Again, you just, just got to go listen to the show if you don't know what we're talking about. Froman or Madame de Maurier? They're both equally as terrifying, but I'm obsessed with Madame de Maurier's green dress. So <laughs> I think I just, I would love to wear that one day. Oh, it's so gorgeous. And uh, the lady, the Emmanuel who played De Maurier in our cast was brilliant. So Her I'm going to have to go with that. I mean, so is Connor, of course, but got to go with De Maurier. But, you know, yeah, her, I remember that, that ending too, like, and the vibrato and the, oh, and I was just like, oh, oh, right in the heart. But yeah, when De Maurier was trying to be scary, I mean, I, I was scared. I was like, oh, I do not want her to be my mother-in-law. No way. No. <laughs> Crocodile tears. No who. <laughs> We're going to do a flip side, but also not a flip side. Because again, villains, question mark, but not. Um, <laughs> it doesn't match up at all. Um, but Old Dude or McCavity? Oh, that's, a, that's also hard. Because Old Dude is so loving and and just like gra- like Grandpa Cat, essentially. And I'm, <laughs> But I think I'm going to have to say McCavity. Love McCavity. Also, doing that number is fun. That was always my favorite when I would watch it when I was younger. Love that one. <laughs> okay, so back to Neverland. You're a theater troupe. Or the pirate band. Hmm. Oh man. I think Same I'm gonna have to say. Style. I was thinking earlier. I was gonna say theater troupe, but I'm gonna say pirate band because being the pirate was probably one of the top three favorite moments in the show. And like all of our cast, we all had inside jokes for every single second of the show. But me and my friend Adrian, who played Miss Bassett. She and I were, would enter the same wing as the pirates, and we'd make up new pirate names every day. Like, we would see the most random things, and, like, we would just be hysterical the whole time. So, definitely pirate troop. And that's a really great number, too. That's just so, like, 
Oh, it's amazing. So then back on cats, 1998 or 2019. Now there's there's an answer for this. Like 98. There's a universal. Yeah. I yell it at the top of my lungs. Please 98 or literally 2016 YouTube it. Like find it. I do not condone the use of bootlegs, but please. Never that we'd watch a bootleg. Don't don't base don't base your cat's experience off of the cgi movie that's all i have to say because you can't even tell you can't even tell they're dancing the the cgi is too distracting and like that choreo is good (laughs) and the cgi did not do it a service but definitely 98 watched one scene from the movie that someone put on like a it was like a cat's breakdown of like it was i think it's the guy on youtube he he makes all these videos of like who who sang it best mm-hmm. who did it best and it was cats oh no and there was 2019 cats and i literally i was like no no, no. Skip it. this is this is terrifying it's it's so weird it's so weird okay now i'm gonna say this one wrong but <laughs> tinkerbell or Coracapat. that's not wrong you're you're right it's not wrong oh my no, god no Coracapat. oh my twin I I love Tinkerbell and Tinkerbell's fun, but me and my twin have a bond that cannot be broken. Me and my my twin Maurice, who played Corico Pat, we essentially we are supposed to be telepathic, uh, psychic cats. So essentially, we shared the same brain. So, gotta go with Corico Pat. Literally, my other half. <laughs> love it. So this one, this is more of the the Finding Neverland uh, V cats too the long skirts of the spandex because as an outside observer you know i'm watching in finding neverland play which is one of my favorite numbers but i was like oh my god they're all out here in these layers and these long skirts but then also i watch cats and i'm like is that spandex comfy is it comfy (laughs) well i i would have to say spandex because it's light and it's like you're wearing the leotard and tights essentially so and also i obviously wearing a long skirt my skirt wasn't heavy. A lot of other girls in my cast had way heavier skirts, so I was quite thankful that mine wasn't as heavy as the other women. But obviously the long skirts can cover up like little technical mishaps like bent knees or <laughs> all that stuff. So it's like you can relax more and not worry so much about your lines in the long skirts. But the spandex is way obviously lighter and easier to dance in, easier to partner in. You're not going to trip over your own skirt or like get your heel. Because I got my heel caught in my skirt multiple times where I have to like trip out of it or yeah. That's a terrifying experience when your shoes get caught in your skirt. One time, sidebar, I was in um, into the woods and I was doing, it was like the end of the show, man. We had made it through the whole thing. And I had a rip in the back of my dress no! but in the underlay. Didn't realize it. My boot went right through it got stuck on the edge like the heel of my boot got stuck and I remember like we were all lined up because we had all of all of like the main ensemble had this move where like we would all stand in a line and each of us had a had a like our character move as we went through right line. right <laughs> stopped grabbed the shoulder of the person next to me she's freaking out she's like what are you doing and I reached back and just ripped the dress oh my gosh <laughs> my, I couldn't get my foot out right of it. and it's what else are you gonna do you feel oh like your gosh. life is ending you're like it. It the panic that sets. Oh my gosh, the heart, the heartbeat like, oh, in your oh, throat. What's gonna oh my gosh, yeah, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. So next one, the world is upside down, or we on the night. We on the night. Two personal favorite numbers. We on the night. We on the night is so good. <laughs> wild. I mean, we were wild. <laughs> I mean, we pulled and the choreos great all the time. <sighs> and under the table before we would pop out, I mean, Jeff and I would be absolute buffoons. Just joking around under there, like every time the tablecloth would come down, we would make each other laugh as hard as we could. Gosh, 
That was the best. And that, that switch in the choreo under the table when it's the first the first move versus uh-huh. the second one uh-huh. and then sliding out. I always remember being like, how? Oh, yeah, because we, we so actually fast. had to like it's push like, the kiddos out to like help them slide further and that was stressful yeah stressful so they like sat and they were like ready to push themselves and then we'd have to be like but then if their boots were on the floor they would stop themselves and then they would like could potentially hit their heads on the table no they gotta go yeah it was just hectic chaos but so fun (laughs) well i mean it does we haven't really talked about it but finding neverland they always say don't work with kids or animals you had both so <laughs> we had both <laughs> oh we i both love end. our dogs i miss them <laughs> sammy we weren't allowed to touch the dogs that was the worst part if we did not work or touch with the dogs in any scene we were not allowed to make eye contact or touch the dogs <laughs> how do you do that that was the hardest thing to do like in rehearsal like obviously after being with the show for like a couple months we then we were allowed to see the dogs and touch the dogs and have sleepovers with the dogs um the people who interacted with them but i would like always like visit the people who were having sleepovers with the dogs and play with sammy and bailey and all the all them but yeah that was that was the hardest part of my role was <laughs> not being able to make eye contact with the dog and then whenever we would make eye contact with the dog we would like <laughs> turn around like we had just done yeah. the worst committed a crime or something it was so funny <laughs> So when you guys, because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the dogs sections of the show mm-hmm. are kind of compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. And I know like working with animals on stage, it's it's different every production you do. So like yeah. when, you know, having, having the trainers and stuff, how did that work with, you know, making sure that our, our dogs made all their entrances and exits correctly? Oh, Mel Rocco was our dog handler and she was the best. She's the best. And she would always be off stage on one of the sides, depending on which way whatever dog was on for the evening because there were two (laughs) understudy dog and uh, whatever side of the stage they were facing mel would be in the wings doing certain signals there were certain hand gestures and signals to the dog would understand to do the certain choreo or run or walk or sit and she would just always make sure that everything was in line and people were out of the way of the dogs and if something went wrong she would always know what hand gestures to make or what to do how to hold the leash, how to, how to get the actors to hold the leash. But yeah, they would have dog, they would have like, I think 15 minute intervals every day with each of the actors who worked with them to get used to working with dogs. And they had certain treats and that, that they would give the dogs that would get sweeter and sweeter as the rehearsal process went on. So obviously they would want to work harder and better for the better tasting treats when they were on stage it was a whole process a whole science (laughs) yeah it's crazy working with with dogs especially yeah yeah (laughs) so last this or that before we go into kind of general questions london or the jellicle ball the jellicle ball this is like it's like asking you to pick a child Uh, true (laughs) but i like i knew that answer already the jellicle ball is something else i mean it's 12 minutes of dancing your but off like I would oh, come off stage and my this is gross but my entire unitard would be just as if though I was scuba dived like it we, everyone's was like we would get off stage <laughs> and like lay down <laughs> for and even with my stamina being the best it has been in my entire life I was still dead every time I did it because you just want to give 
150%. And that that music, obviously it starts with the poem, which goes into the ball. But when that, it's called the Copeland section, when um, it's right after Plato and Victoria's duet, and Grizz comes back and like, it's like, the twins sense Grizz and then Misto gets up and then everyone starts to get up and then it's like the and it goes obviously the, the music goes haywire and it's just every night when it would start and Misto would light up the lights throughout the the theater like my heart would just like start pounding and like I would just get this rush of adrenaline and I was like all right let's go every night I never once on stage during Cats thought oh no here we go again like, of course, like, obviously you have those moments in every show where you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna throw up, like, I can't do this right now, but somehow, like, that music would pump me up so much, I guess from obviously having it be my dream show as a child, but every night, like, even if I was at the most tired I'd ever been, as soon as that music hit, like, I would be in it to win it. So, yeah, definitely Jellicle Ball. Crazy, but my favorite. <laughs> I love that. All right, and then, you know, kind of typical lightning round questions favorite book okay i can't pick a favorite but recently i just read leslie odom jr's book called failing up which is very good it's about saying how you should aim to fail spectacularly so you can succeed spectacularly it's whole science it's a great book highly recommend (laughs) favorite movie movie if i wouldn't say hamilton on disney plus i would say either tangled (laughs) or little miss sunshine yes Absolutely. Absolutely. Tangle's great. <laughs> Favorite color? Green. Favorite animal? Shark. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I love that answer. <laughs> Shark or a dachshund, like a wiener dog. <laughs> they make me so happy. <laughs> uh, favorite musical? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's a tie between Cats and Hamilton right now. Very fair. <laughs> Do you have a favorite ballet that you've ever seen? Yes. Um, it would be Yuri Killian's Petite Mort. My favorite. It's uh, the Netherlands Dance Theater has one version on YouTube. It's the best thing I've ever seen. It's so good. And then kind of off of that, do you have a favorite ballet dancer? Or like I a do. dancer that you really looked up to when you were younger? Let me think. Well, um, besides my dance teacher, Ashley Cantona Hardy, who was my inspiration from day one, still is. She, or I would say, I've been following Skylar Brandt and... Who else? Of course, Misty Copeland is gorgeous to watch, but yeah. Skylar Brand, I love Sarah Mearns, Tyler Peck, New York City Ballet. Yeah, I think those are my faves right now. They change all the time. <laughs> oh my god, no, same. I mean, Zanady Janowski uh-huh. from uh, Royal Ballet is my, my queen. Unreal. But yeah, no, it changes all the time. Favorite character in Finding Neverland? Um, hmm. I really... Hmm. I, I, I want to say Peter Pan, of course, <laughs> because it's Peter Pan. But I might have to say it might be Lord Cannon. <laughs> the funniest. <laughs> really fair, no. The funniest. Favorite Cats character? Mr. Mistopheles, period. <laughs> Absolutely. Favorite song from each show? Finding Neverland, I, I remember loving to sing Circus of Your Mind. That's my favorite song to sing. Um, the chorus of that. And then Mary Berry's solo part in that song is the bomb oh so good and then uh, i know i was gonna say a line but i was like i don't want to give it away um but for cats <laughs> oh man i i think i have to say mr mistopheles singing doing the jellicle ball singing mr mistopheles 
Uh, what do you think was the hardest song from each show? Okay. Obviously, Cats, Jellicle Ball, out of the way. Totally, 100%. Nothing can beat that. Minutes. 12 minutes. Nothing. 911. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for, for Finding Neverland, I think it would have to be the prologue through London because in the first 10 minutes of the show, I have four quick changes. So I go out as Peter Pan, leave, 30 second quick change, not even 30 seconds, I think it's 23, changing into Mary Berry's maid. And so my, the girl who played Wendy with me, we both, it was just two maids. <laughs> so we'd run off stage and just like rip off our stuff, like get out of the wigs, change wigs, full wig change, full shoe change. And then just like run out with our fans, fanning Mary Berry in 23 seconds, which was nuts because obviously I'm just like running around, rolling around the stage, chasing Tinkerbell, frozen. Then I run off. I'm like panting, changing my entire outfit and hair backstage, running back on, running back off, ripping everything off to put on like my bloomers and my dress, get that zipped up, new wig, um, new hat, <laughs> it was coat, run back on, do the whole London thing, do the theater troupe and then run back off and then get into the circus outfit for the, my, is it my imagination? I'm, I'm already losing it when Barry sings by himself. I don't really know because I didn't. Re- I when I went to see the tour, I did not know that songs had been changed. Oh yeah, so, so was completely different show. That was the first time that I had seen it. Like I was expecting all of London is here because that song is a banger, and also Teal Wicks hitting that champagne note. Excuse me, yeah. like how dare? Like that was amazing. But yeah, no. So I had I had no idea. We were like, wait, what? You're like this is a new show. <laughs> this is a new show. God bless. Favorite line in each show, which can be out of context because obviously, okay, we don't want to we don't want to spoil Finding Neverland. I feel like everyone knows about cats. <laughs> Finding Neverland. Oh, I have to say, I was gonna say it earlier. Is when Mary Berry yells, "She's on every single page of your journal, James." Oh, the way that she sings it, it's oh. so good. It's so good. Or when Cromer is on the bed at the end and does, I won't go to bed, I won't, I won't. I think that would be the that number one. one, my favorite line. That I would say, that one, a line that I say, I wouldn't call it a line in Finding Neverland, but it's when I do the rooster crow on the window. <laughs> because the amount of times that I had to rehearse that, they said it was wrong. Our director, Mia Walker, gosh, I love her so much. She was like, it needs to sound more like a rooster. And I did it a bunch of times. And then I remember there was a day where everyone was watching me do it. And then I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm nervous. And everyone just started dying. I was like, I'm sorry, nervous. I'm going to try it again. And then I, I crowed like a rooster like 20 times in a row. Finally got it. <laughs> but it ended up becoming my favorite. Okay, cats. Ugh. It's either one, like another cat, definitely when Mistopheles comes down and yells presto. I mean, that's the best part of the whole show. The best part of the whole show when he's hanging on that rope. I mean, come on. And then um, if I had to say it, I loved doing the naming of cats because it creeped everyone out. Staring at, like going into the audience and just staring at someone in the eyes. Sometimes super fans would like say it back to you as you were saying it. And like more normally that would creep most of the cast out. But I loved it because I was like, that was me. Like as an eight year old, like that was me in the theater. Like as crazy as those people feel, like that was me at one point. So I can relate. But yeah, the one we would say, uh, like ineffable, FN ineffable, deep and inscrutable singular name and like start whispering it as we would like disperse back onto the stage. Like people would be like, what is going on? (laughs) And it's just like T.S. Eliot, poetry genius. So fun. I think that was my favorite part of the show. Favorite onstage mishap, which I mean, we have now heard about Glitter Tornado, but I guess second to Glitter Tornado. Favorite onstage mishap. Man, 
Okay. There's one in Finding Neverland and one in Cats. I already got them both. Finding Neverland, it was not funny for me at the time. <laughs> but now it's funny. I went on stage and for the glitter tornado. And apparently my microphone was kicking out. But they don't mic me until the end of the show. Like, my laughs during the glitter tornado are not mic'd. It's just me, like, literally yell laughing so people can hear me. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> and, um, they decide. I have, I have literally, I leave the stage, and I have, like, maybe 10 seconds to grab as much glitter as I possibly can and hold it in my hands before I go on stage. And somehow, I guess they thought that I had more time, and they start unwigging me and start trying to take my mic out to fix it. And I was like, you guys, like, I'm literally going right back on stage. And it was not their fault. Like, they were doing their job. And I just remember being like, oh, no. And then I had maybe two pins in my wig, which is not enough to hold it on your head. So let me tell you, I threw the glitter, and I did a tuck and roll, like, army roll, <laughs> stand up, start running. My he- My wig is halfway off my head. I probably look like a, like, balding man, <laughs> not a little boy, and everyone was laughing, so of course that made me laugh harder, but I was fully embarrassed, because I was like, this is, like, the highlight of my show every night, like, this sucks, <laughs> I'm embarrassed, like, people, like, I think people had, like, messaged me on Instagram that day, and were like, we're here, like, we can't wait to see you, and, like, that I didn't know, I was like, oh, no, I'm letting him down, yeah. <laughs> obviously, it was just, like, a so such a stupid mishap but then obviously like when i walked up to the window i like tried to pull it down as much as i could but it was still far back and i was like i look like albert einstein right now and like it was funny <laughs> like when i left i was like an embarrassing it was kind of embarrassing but then when i look back on it, i was like that was funny <laughs> that was funny cats so my debut was supposed to be december 10th but and i had my put in december 6th um after my put in like we i went to go get mexican food with my friends who just did the put-in with me for the first time, and we did, it was like our first time in hair and makeup full with mics and such, and doing everything full out. And I get a call from my classmate, Austin, who is the dance captain, and he calls me, he goes, whatever you're doing, like, stop what you're doing, like, come back to the theater, I think you're gonna go on tonight. Because the other dance captain who had covered my role was too far away from the theater like, to start the makeup because Tantamile's makeup plot is, like, one of the hardest in the show because it has to be exactly matching with Coricopat, whereas, like, the other ones you can kind of, like, you have more leeway to mess up, essentially. So they were like, okay, you're going on tonight for the first time, and I was like, oh, great, cool. Scared to death, but I was ready. I was, like, ready to go. So excited, but I was sad that no one was in the audience for my opening night because I was in Toronto and, like, my parents couldn't get on a bus, like, to come to New York in three hours. Like, they would have to get on a flight. That was whatever. So it was just me out there. And then during Rom Tom Tugger, there's a moment where Vic and I do this lift um, with two people. And on my two people, was Skim- one of them was Skimbleshanks. And somehow, there was a hook on my tail that was stuck to Skimbleshanks' arm. And, like, you can't, like... With dresses and stuff, like, with Finding Neverland, you could maybe rip it, and, like, they could sew it back, but you could not rip these spandex. You could not rip these spandex. They were too expensive and too, like, tailored to you to, like, even think of ruining. So his, my tail was stuck on his hand, and I had to, I was supposed to go straight downstage to do a section with Coricopat, where, like, I, like, slide through his legs and, like, develop and look a bit Vic, and it didn't. I, I could not get off of him. I was stuck, and I thought, uh, I was like, everyone thinks that I'm 
I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know the choreography. This is my first time doing this for a full audience in Toronto. Like, people are, like, panicking. And then everyone's just, like, looking back at me, like, what's going on? And I was just like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. But eventually, like, Gio, who played Skimble Shanks, ended up just, like, twisting his arm a certain way. And it finally came off. And I just, like, ran down stage as fast as I could. I missed an entire section. But I just, like, slid like a cat down stage. Probably looked so weird. I was like, oh, no. The people, my dance captains watching right now are going to think that I am messing up, but I am simply just stuck to another cat. So that was funny. That was my very first show. Nothing, nothing that crazy happened the rest of the run. Like, of course, that would happen the first time I do it. <laughs> so next one, because obviously you have one costume and cats because you're a cat. Um, favorite costume that you wore in Finding Neverland? Oh, my dress changed a lot because my very first dress was, I think, one that they used in the original Broadway cast, but the shirt was so old that, like, it, like, started deteriorating, so then I got, like, a new top for my dress, so, like, I was constantly changing, like, my nice dresses for the, like, London and stuff, so I always was, like, excited to see what the next new addition to my dress would be, because it was pretty much deteriorating and old, um, but they were, it was lovely material, but I think Peter Pan would have to be my favorite, have to. It was so comfy, too, dance around in velvet. I mean, it was sweaty, but, like, it, <laughs> it was nice and comfy to dance in, and, like, the pants weren't, like, skin-tight, like, spandex. Like, I could, like, feel, like, chill and able to, like, move it as many ways as possible without thinking of, like, ripping it. <laughs> so, I think that was my fave. For sure. Favorite city that you played in, regardless of tour? It could be one or the, It could be, like, favorite for each or whatever. Okay. Finding Neverland, for sure, Sioux Falls. Like, I love Sioux Falls. I don't know why I always go back to Sioux Falls. It was so cute and quaint and... Like, all these local businesses and coffee shops, it was just so homey, and it was, like, the start of fall, and everything was decorated for Halloween, and I'm a sucker for that, so that was so much fun to explore. Also, hmm, for cats, I definitely think it's a tie between Toronto, because I got to stay there for so long, so I felt like I essentially lived there, and, like, my Airbnb felt like an apartment that I had owned for the first, like, owning my first apartment, like, that... That's kind of what it felt like. And I also got to perform for Celine Dion in Toronto, which was crazy town. But yeah, so that, w- that was my actual opening night on December 10th. Celine Dion came to see the show, which is bizarre. Oh so amazing. I was terrified, but she was so sweet. One of the sweetest people. Did you know, like, before the show? We, was there was a rumor going after? around, and then we all got candy backstage, individual candy bags from Celine Dion. I was like, what I'm is sorry. happening and I was like, I'm eating candy that was given to me by Celine Dion. <laughs> so that was definitely a starstruck moment of mine. Dead. I loved I loved being at Boston, the Boston Opera House. That was fun to perform in. And I had a, a bunch of friends there who went to college there or my good friend from my studio back home, like Derek Dunn, who is like the craziest ballet dancer of all time. Like he's amazing. If you don't know him, please look him up. He's I think he's better than Barishnikov. That's a strong statement, but that is a true statement, I believe. He grew up dancing with me on my competition team, and he um, is a principal at Boston Ballet, and he we, he and I, he didn't get to come see the show, but we got to, like, catch up over coffee, so that was fun to see a bunch of old friends. Favorite style of dance? Mm, I'd have to say musical theater, jazz, or tap, which is very unknown to people. I love tapping. <laughs> I would love to be in a tap show. I would love to be in Holiday Inn one day. Like, I'm obsessed with tapping absolutely <laughs> so random i don't get that answer a lot though like yeah, i know no one likes tap i feel like it's so fun i don't know 
It is fun. It's kind of stressful. It's definitely a different level of like skill set that you have to have. Like, yeah, but yeah, love a good tap. Love a good tap number. And it's so, it's so specific that I almost feel like it's worse than ballet sometimes. Oh, it's so, it's so hard. Cause you know, like, you know, especially if you're in like a big ensemble number. Yeah. If you're the one who just little bit to the left on your foot and then it's right. Completely different sound. Oh yeah. Completely different. All right. Kind of the, 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 the biggest of the general questions. What do you think were the biggest lessons that you took away either from your time on tour as a whole or if there was something different from each show? But what, what do you think is um, the, the thing that you learned that stuck with you the most? Um, for Finding Neverland, I had a really hard time. I don't want to say managing my injuries, but obviously with being a dancer, you're going to have certain injuries or certain flare ups, like not nothing major, but knock on wood, but I had, I like kind of neglected that and like didn't think that it was okay to call out of a show. Like I felt like if I called out of a show, it would be like the end of the world or like I would be considered lazy or something of that sort, but that was just in my head. But I ended up calling out for two shows and like I ended up getting dry needling done and then I like took two days to fully take care of my body without moving or dancing or even thinking about going to the gym or whatever. And I was fully reset, like fully reset as a performer and I was ready to go. And like, I just, I think that that kind of helped me learn how to pace myself when it came to taking care of my injuries or like knowing when to slow down. I think Finding Neverland helped me to do that because I'm always that person who's like 150% or nothing, like go, go, go. And I needed to be like, okay, no, hold, hold on, take it back, backpedal. Like you need to take care of yourself or this isn't going to last for so long. <laughs> so definitely that for cats. Uh, I don't know. Well, I think the main lesson is that I had auditioned for that show so many, so many times. And like, I was at a point where I was like, if I don't get it, like the, the time prior to when I auditioned and got the role, I was thinking like, if I don't get it this time, like I might as well just like stop. But I didn't. And kept going. It's the whole grit mindset mentality. But yeah, thank God I didn't give up because if I did, I wouldn't have been in the show. And like, there's, I say this all the time, you're going to get a hundred no's before you get a yes. And that's for and everyone. And the most talented people in the world get no's. And some, sometimes those projects aren't meant for you and you just got to trust the process. Like I said, stay in your own lane and it's so cheesy but like don't give up because it's the fact that I've never given up on returning to those auditions and constantly showing up and showing that I really respect the material and when the choreographers and the associates and the casting team see that you are still showing up after however long they're going to respect that and understand that this is something that's really important to you and that you're loyal to their show so yeah I think that's the main lesson that I took away from cats is that just keep going and hopefully eventually one day you'll you'll get the job. <laughs> and then a uh, final question, which is kind of, you know, the name of the game on this uh, podcast is just me talking to people who inspire me, but also, you know, who inspire other people. So I'd love to know who inspires you. Oh, I mentioned her earlier in this podcast, but of course, Ariana DeBose is my main like idol right now. <laughs> I have, I literally have a photo of her on my cork board behind here. I just, 
completely respect her as an artist and an activist. She is so active in raising awareness for causes that are important to her and that's the whole point of doing what we do is to inspire others and encourage others and amplify others' voices and I respect that so completely. And like I said, her movement quality is something otherworldly and her talent is unbelievable. Her singing as well, of course, makes me want to improve as a singer because who want who wouldn't want to be a triple threat like that? Like, who wouldn't? Of course, my dance teacher, Ashley Cantona ha- ha- Hardy, can't speak, always. And her sister, Adrienne Cantona, who owns the Bad Boys of Ballet company that tours Europe. I love that company. And another person, I know, it's like my Hamilton kick, I swear. But not a dancer, but a perform... Like, if I had the charisma, star quality and acting chops that David Diggs has, I would fe- I would be so confident in myself. He's one of the most extraordinary performers I have ever seen in my entire life. I can't, it's just, it comes so easily to him, and as well as his intelligence and activism, regardless of himself as a performer. I just think he's a wonderful person, and I would kill to work with him one day. And one more important person who inspires me greatly is my great friend and classmate, Austin Reynolds, who was a swing and co-dance captain on the Cats tour with me. He quite possibly was the best dance captain of all time. And the work that he put into that show completely changed the way that that show will be learned forever. He put together essentially a track list for every single male ensemble role and could easily do it with the females as well. But he his attention to detail is unmatched and I've always been inspired by his work at school and his choreography at school but it's inspired me to pursue my personal goals to be a dance captain one day or even an associate choreographer I love it well I mean thank you so much you're so welcome this is so fun um yeah seriously this was so much fun do you have any final thoughts that you would like to put out into the universe anything to plug anything like that and then also if you could give out your um social media links and stuff so people can find you um so my social media i'm pretty much only active on instagram so that is just at melody rose like my just just my name no spaces none of that i got instagram pretty early i thought that it was um just a photo editing app back when i was in high school so i ended up snagging a good username (laughs) but let's see final thoughts just like i said just always continue to follow what like sets sets your soul on fire when it comes to performing arts i always say that quote never give up in these times we are not alone like i always think to myself oh i can't believe this is happening happening to me but it's not just happening to me it's happening to the entire performing arts community in the united states right now we're all in this together there's so many people that you can reach out to if you need to talk to them It's such a small world in the performing arts industry. Reach out to a friend. Reach out and see how they're coping with it. Take Zoom dance classes. Take classes that you can turn your video off. Like, it's your chance to, like, take classes with people you've never thought of taking class with before. Work on your craft while you can. I mean, just use the time that you have to yourself to enhance and um, improve your abilities while you can. And take time to rest. Obviously, don't base your success on your what's the word on your um oh god I can't think of the quote I literally just read it this morning (laughs) don't base your success off of your um of your productivity like it it, this is a time where 
it's going to be hard to be productive in the arts. There's no work schedule. I mean, obviously, there you can teach. You can take. That's basically all that we have right now. You can watch live stream performances of performances at home. You can watch all the musicals that you never had time to watch before, that you don't know the soundtracks, listen to them, see what you like, find your niche, find what you want to pursue, find your the people who inspire you. Like I have been, like I my whole life changed when I saw Hamilton or when I saw Natalie Wood as Louise and Gypsy. Like, as soon as you find that thing that sparks your joy, like you're in it to win it. Like follow your dream even though it doesn't seem like you can find a finish line right now. That was just total ramble, but no, it was abs- it was fabulous. It was great. <laughs> My mind just like went everywhere then. But and that's like a great way for us to end this one. Oh so, man! Thank you again. Thank you so for much. On and talking to me, and thank you everybody else for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. It's your destiny, every pace, every stride.